You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Alright everybody, welcome back to Tabletop Gaming, your favorite location for gaming news, geek weeks, and other relevant topics. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my colleagues, Jason and Dan. What's going on? Greetings. We got a good show for you. It's kind of a deep dive of a previous show um, we talked about in our episode "Gamers in a Dangerous Time." Some of the options that you could do to do virtual gaming. Well, we decided to dive into the tabletop simulator world, and we had an amazing weekend with it. So we're gonna share what we learned about it, what you guys can do immediately to get involved in it because it is worth every single penny. I kind of scoffed at it at first. Not going to lie, but we're excited to share with you what we got. What we got. But um, to start out, let's do Geek Week. Who do we have first? Uh, Jason, why don't you start us? Uh, okay, so uh, this week I worked a little bit on my Ogre Army again. I did an Iron Guts conversion. Um, it's interesting with these Game Workshop models. When you buy, you can buy these bundles, uh, and um, they're, they're kind of pricey. Um, but some of these some of these uh, boxes go out of stock online, and the Iron Guts is a unit of four, um, four four ogres that have like a little bit more armor pieces, and you know they're holding bigger weapons and stuff, right? So I, I basically took a standard ogre box and threw a bunch of armor on that I had from a different box mm-hmm. and glued a bunch of stuff together and did what they call kind of a conversion, where you take one model that's meant for something else and turn it in, into a different one. I think it looks really good. I just kind of mix some. I mix some iron guts I did have in yeah. with them, and they kind of all look like they meld well, and they've got different weapons and stuff. And I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day when we can all get back into the same room and actually play with these guys and put them on the table. Did you use any like green stuff, or was it all just kind of glue and extra bits? Uh, I used some glue, extra bits. Uh, I did not use any green stuff. What I did do is I took bits from other ogre boxes. Uh, so okay. there are. I had another box. I had a box from the Beast Claw Raiders, which is a bunch oh. of ogres that sit up on uh, like kind of big animals, and and they have kind of big weapons, like big staff based weapons and they also have a little bit of different armor on them like they have helmets and stuff and so i took their helmets and their like their gauntlets and stuff and i glued them onto the normal ogres to look like the normal ogres had kind of picked up scraps of armor and and kind of made makeshift uh, battle gear and uh, i think it looks pretty good it goes with a good theme ogres are meant to just kind of be like big dudes that hunk around and kind of scavenge and eat and scavenge and eat and and make stuff so looks pretty good to me sweet uh i am uh, the lo- other thing i did this week was i started watching the devs which is an fx show yeah I, so my brother's been telling me that i have to watch it mm-hmm. it is a good show it's it's a science i will say it's a science fiction um i will say that it's more of a hard science fiction okay um, so it's not like blasters and all that stuff it's more like you know advanced technology that's been developed that exists among us today now this is made by the same guy who made um annihilation and mm-hmm. uh ex machina right yes uh-huh and okay. and, and it, it's what's funny is one of the main characters in the show is uh is the guy from parks and rec Ron Swanson. Yep. <laughs> well, except he's not Ron Swanson, but right. right. <laughs> uh, I think his real name is Nick Offerman. Yeah. Anyways, he is playing a totally different character in this, and really? it's a really good. It's really cool to see him play and dramatize this character, and it's a it's it's not a joking character in this yeah. show. This is this is very much like kind of a thriller suspense. Um, kind of show. like, uh, I mean, kind of more along the lines of Ex Machina. It's kind of the, mm-hmm. what I got from the previews, the right? The theme. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say if you like, and I'm not going to give anything away by saying this because this kind of gets revealed really early on, but if you like um, the paradox, you know, paradox theory, like that kind of stuff, things that are associated with um, freedom of choice. Uh-huh. Um, so like, you know, do you do we all really have our free, the freedom that we think we have or is it superficial like is it all just it are all of our decisions basically made by 
prior experiences we've had so that we really we really only have one option that we'll choose based on you know the prior exposures and the neuro the neurological paths that are developed like it's it's yeah. all about like like that like what is choice really uh surrounded by kind of a suspense it's kind of an interesting um kind of an interesting uh, uh thought and uh sort of a story given that you know like tech companies in our in our day and age have us dead to rights on who we are you know what i mean like if i look at my facebook profile like mm-hmm. it knows me almost better than i do sometimes yeah the you know? prim- yeah the premise of the story is there's a giant tech firm that basically seems to you get the impression they're kind of just this all-powerful entity yeah like a silicon valley or like a kind of like a washington state type thing and can you right. restate the name of the show and what network devs it's on? d-e-v-s it's on fx it streams on fx cool okay thanks Check it awesome. out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to start that. Cool. Uh, that's it for me. Yeah, nice. Uh, Dan, what you, what you got? Well, I've been basically focusing on getting ready to sell a house this week. So my geek week has been pretty thin. Um, but I'm going through some stuff, looking around, trying to figure out what needs to be given away or parted with uh, permanently. So it's... Something that we all need to do with our collections on a regular basis is take a long look and say, if I haven't done anything with this, and if I don't see myself doing this, doing anything with this game or or these collectibles, isn't it time to say goodbye? So I hate to be a bit of a downer on a geek week, but I I think I'm in purging mode. So, So which ones didn't make the cut? Which ones are the Toy Story characters in Toy Story 3? Let's say the ones I'm uh, I, I, uh, I'm on the fence about is I have a lot of stuff from uh, uh, X-wing first edition. Mm-hmm. I okay. converted everything over to second edition, but I have my first edition stuff as well, and I have not converted my uh, uh, epic size ships into uh, second edition. So if I'm going to play with those, I need to have the first edition stuff. But um, I could probably convert it and say goodbye to the whole kit and caboodle. But I love it so much, it's hard to part with. I yeah. recently grabbed a t- huge stack of my D&D 3.5 ebooks and just decided, you know what, I'm getting rid of them. I've had them on the shelf for a really long time, and there's some nostalgia there, but uh, I decided, you know what, I just need to make room on the shelf for uh, some more books that I'm actively using. Interesting. The Culling. The culling. Yeah, and I, I did a major purge this year. You guys know this, but I put two different collections of RPG books. One collection I had started in 1988 and filled it out all the way through to 2000. Uh, I offed that, and then um, I had a whole complete library from another role-playing game where I had every book in the series and uh, put both of those sets on eBay, and they are all gone now. There you go. How much but, did it cost to ship all that stuff? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I I didn't really worry about the shipping. Depending on who you who wants what, you negotiate on shipping. So, um, I one of the collections I broke up into about ten different pieces. Wow. Um, and uh, at, in different lots, I grouped the books together. And mm-hmm. one uh, one collection was about. I don't. I'd say about ten hardbound books that were a little thin, but they're good size RPG books. And that whole thing went in two shipments of the large. Um, the, yeah, the large. There, box. There's a large square box. I yeah. filled two of them up and sent those out. Yeah, but um, that you. I bet the USPS person was like cursing the whole time. Man, well, what is you, in this thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> book rate. Yeah, I think actually I covered it with. Brown paper sent a book rate, and because uh, the person who was receiving it wanted uh-huh. it, that was mm-hmm. was trying to save a few bucks, and, and I don't blame that person. So, but yeah, sometimes you just have to have to say, okay, well, you know, the the as I, uh, you just have to embrace the future and say goodbye to the past sometimes, mm-hmm. and and it's that's okay. And that's, Would you that's say part that Kylo Ren was right then? Sometimes you just have to kill the past. I'd say instead of kill it, you could sell the past on eBay. Oh, okay. All right, fair <laughs> That's enough. Right. Make and a get profit. A, get a buck. I mean, come get on, a buck. 
Yeah, yeah. it's worth. It's not worth nothing. Exploit it's, the past. Because if you're looking at your shelf and going, I really don't want to part with this, that means there's somebody on eBay who's willing to pay us yeah. a, a, a slightly higher amount than you yeah. would right. think. Um, but certainly selling RPG books was much less painless for me compared to selling um, other collectibles that I've had. You know, comics and action figures I thought would move real fast and I'd, I'd be okay on. Those were just a total dud. <laughs> yeah, I figured I had a stack of certain comics where I realized I kept them in pretty decent condition. No one wanted them. I would lose money just by handing them to someone. And I'm like, I could just hand these to my seven-year-old. And if he tears them up, that's fine. At least yeah. somebody's getting some value out of them, you know. Anyway, well, sorry, sorry to bring the room down. So par- parting is such sweet sorrow, you've right? You've got it's it's this time we're in. You know, this is yeah. this is a time of ennui and longing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I had a pretty active geek week. My family, I had the house to myself for a little bit, and so um, aside from doing some yard work, last week I talked about finishing. Um, Assassin's Creed and picking up Jedi Fallen Order with uh, Star Wars. So I did a lot of progress on that. I'm actually almost done with the game. Um, it's not as long as I thought it was, so I'm, I'm definitely glad I got it on sale. Um, let's see. We had some great um, conference stuff going on for our church this weekend, so I take the time during that time to sit down and paint um, because it's a great way for me to stay awake during it you know and actively listen while i'm kind of focusing on another task and um i end up getting out a lot more from listening to the our conference that way while i paint and i got a lot of good painting stuff done so i'm very happy my little orcs are turning out very very good you and me um, both man i do the same thing yeah and um would you I, say I, your orcs have been blessed Yes, I would. Yes, <laughs> do you have holy orcs now. <laughs> um, they, I, I did prep them for some new painting techniques. I plan to do. I plan to kind of strike out and doing some non-metallic metals oh, on that, which that is sort route, of huh? yeah, sort of an advanced painting technique. You're gonna be. You're gonna be in one of those, and you're gonna look down on the rest of us. Like, oh, well, non-metallic some... metals is that like saying non? liquid waters i i don't know what non so what it is is it's like a it's a painting technique where you're not using metallic paint because there's there's paint out there that's got like little metallic flakes in it and it looks you know metallic yeah it tastes the Um, best right so (laughs) so it's a painting technique that you do out there that simulates metals and the way that light reflects off of them if you like to do extra stuff that looks exactly the same as the easy stuff. Now, see, I don't think it does, but that's it okay. It doesn't because you don't want it to. Well, so uh, if you look at any of the Renaissance painters or whatever, and you look like a dude at a suit, uh, like in a, in a coat of arms, you know, or, or like a, a, suit, a suit of mail or, uh, you know, plate of armor, mm-hmm. you know, suit of armor. That's what I really wanted to say was suit of armor. <laughs> Um, in his armor at, garments yeah if you look at that I mean it's a 2D painting that he did but it looks 3D with the way that the light's reflecting off of it and shadow yeah. is and you get the feeling that oh that's a metallic suit of armor that that guy is wearing and that right there is the definition of non-metallic metals right because they didn't have me- metallic paint right. back in the day so right. anyway it's, a, it's an advanced painting technique I feel like I want to push myself um, cause I, I enjoy it. So, and plus, you know, look, some people have to look down on others. So, you know, why not? I, think, yeah. I think it's ironic that they didn't have metallic paints, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts. There was lead in that paint. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it made it, it made it much more vibrant. Yeah. Oh, it was metallic. Non-metallic metals, uh, paints with lead that aren't, met- I, no, nothing you've said has made any sense at all. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else is going on. Um, I mentioned earlier we bought Tabletop Simulator. We're going to get to that later in the in the show. Um, I've been working my way through Battlestar Galactica. Um, and Dan and I had a conversation last week about this after the show. He says, push through, brother. I'm almost to season three at this point right now. So I'm I'm in it for the... I'm in it to win it, Dan. You, you, you Remind me how many seasons there are? Four. Four. Four, yeah. Mm-hmm. And four is like a 4A and 4B, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Split, split season. 
Uh, but I had never really fully seen the show. I'd only seen the miniseries to begin with. And so um, when I finished uh, Supernatural the other day, I said, all right, time to get into kind of a sci-fi show, you know? So, um... Is it, too, is, it, is it too depressing to plow through it like you're plowing through Ooh, it? Ooh, it's hard. It's dense. Yeah. It's very dense. It's very dense. Um, but I'll tell you what. I kind of put it on pause last week, and I streamed the entire season of Picard last week. I that watched all ten episodes. That's good. That's great. It's good It's good to have them back-to-back. I watched it every week and was salivating from one Thursday to the next. So It played, it played very well binging. I mean, you know what I mean? Like where I kept wanting the next episode. And uh, so that was great, um, and uh, big big fan of that series. It was really good. Um, let's see. Last thing is, I just been prepping for our Rogue Trader RPG that uh, the three of us are going to be doing along with three other friends of ours. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Been helping people with their character sheets, which has been fun. Actually, yeah. believe it or not, I, I actually have been enjoying helping people with their sheets because. I'm also learning this game as well. I've never played it, but I'm going to be DMing it. So well, you're and you're learning. You're probably learning a little deeper the lore that surrounds the 40k. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. System or not system, but just verse the 40k verse. Yep. That's pretty baller of you to never have played a game and say, "Hey, I'm I'm we're not only we're going to play it for the first time. I'm going to DM." I mean, that's. That's what a lot of us did back in the day, you know, in the 80s and 90s. We'd just buy a game and sit down with you and your friend would each make a character and you would fight to figure out how the combat system worked, right? Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I doffed my hat to you, sir, for, um, you know, for doing both things simultaneously. It's usually easier to play a game at a con and go, I think I want to buy that one and I think right. I want to run it for, for my crew. So good on you. Well, also- you know... Oh, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say that it's also um, at this stage where we have played so many systems and so many games that you can see kind of the tropes that are associated in the mechanics of these yeah. things, that it, it makes it easier to do that, to grab a new system and to be able to, to, to kind of say, okay, I understand what they're doing. There's a couple things I have to reread because I don't understand what do they mean when they say ability here, what do they mean when they say trait, you know, yep. that kind of stuff. But yep. once you get those tropes down, it's, I think, with the experience that, that, you know, the three of us at least have on our belt, we can grab a system and, and, and kind of DM it off the cuff. And every time uh, I see the word grapple, I just skip to the next page. Oh, no. No grappling. <laughs> no, I'm not, not, not going not to worry about it. Nope. This is somebody else's problem. <laughs> Whatever the grapple mechanic grapple is, we, we, will, we will figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally just looking at grappling today, believe nope. it or not. <laughs> not the best use of your time. I will never grapple. <laughs> yes, you probably should give yourself a pedicure before you memorize grappling rules. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good and i'll tell you what attracted me to the system a it was a great sale on humble bundle i got like the entire rogue trader um library so it included all the expansions and a bunch of missions and a bunch of stuff um for 15 dollars. yeah you know and so it's all pdf stuff but hey like it's great and um the thing that attracted me to that that got me to buy it in the first place was um initially that 40k lore um, cause you know, I got into painting games, workshop stuff. And so videos started popping up about 40 K lore. I started listening to some of the, you know, stories from the Horus heresy and the Imperium of man and all that stuff. And I'm going to be honest with you. I actually think that 40 K has one of the best lores out there I have ever heard. It's pretty it good. Is, it it really is, is really good. It is really good. And they have one of the best fail saves I have ever seen in a system, which is because they're so far in the future, like the 41st millennium, right? And there's been so much like propaganda around the emperor and there's been so much, there's been more history lost than history like remembered, you know, at that point. Mm-hmm. So like if they end up contradicting each other, so like if a new book comes out and it contradicts a past one, the the go-to response is like, well, yeah, I mean, Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, we recognize it contradicts each other because either A, somebody got the history wrong, somebody didn't know the history, we didn't know it completely, or it was propaganda. So, <laughs> you know. Or it was propaganda. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> right. dude, it's it's crazy because it's just I like, 
the, the failsafe is amazing because they can totally, maybe not totally contradict themselves, but like bits of lore and history can be contradictory and they're like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's whatever. And they don't have to go back and like retcon a whole bunch of stuff because of the way they've set up this history. You know, the or the world that you live in. It's kind of a grim, dark. The state controls everything. History, you know. So. So I, I have a, I, I, I every see one of the problems is as a Dune fan and somebody who's read so much Dune. Mm-hmm. The more I get into 40k, I start seeing the parallels. Right. And I'm not going to say that they've ripped Frank Herbert off or anybody because, who cares, right? But, at, at the same time, what the Dune universe has is not a great RPG. It doesn't have three different RPGs from three different systems to choose yeah, from yeah. that are awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I know they're out there, but come on, does anybody play them? You know, doesn't have the great the great board games, the great tabletop games, all the great minis. Yeah. So 40K as a gamer is gives me everything I want as a gamer. But as a sci-fi guy, I keep going back to, the, to that Dune universe just because that, that's how I came to that that type of sci-fi that's that was my on-ramp into it so i have you know it's it's like certain people that always look at D through a lord of the rings eyes. Right, every right. time i look yeah. at 40k i i have to like literally scrape dune off my synapses and say no no this is not dune this is 40k stop 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 you know laying your baggage on these guys yeah, I, yeah and i think what you'll find is we get deeper and deeper into this system and you get a little deeper into the lore you'll start to really see where it diverges from from the dune aspect i think it's an important point though is some people say well you you know and not saying you said this but just the general idea you know they ripped off this and they ripped off that but you know what that's part of being that's part of humanity is we're building upon all of the things that have been established all uh, musicians before, have you know. influences. Yep. And that's yep. how I look at it. It's like, yeah. so all artists so, have influences. So right? you all artists. So if I decide to like form a rock band, does that mean I'm not allowed to play Rolling Stone stuff right. or, or, or Beatles stuff? It's like influences. So I, I love the fact that the 40K lore is so deep because I think gaming and RPGs should have lore bases that aren't completely dependent on Hollywood. Yeah. Um, for good or for ill. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, there, you know, it, I think, I think it's a great thing. I don't know enough about it. I, I, I have poked around enough to have a working knowledge of it. And I, and I do have respect for it. I, so I hope none of our listeners who are 40 K fans, think I'm throwing shade at 40k because if there's one thing I refuse to be as an internet hater um, I, I just this is my perspective of coming into it but having another sci-fi universe that's set like 40,000 years into the future is pretty pretty cool it's it's good to have more than one to choose from yeah and I mean there is absolutely no doubt that 40k took a lot of you know influence from Dune I mean the book came out. Dune came out what the fifties, and forty k. Um, I think Games Workshop was established in the seventies. If I'm yeah. not wrong, you yeah, know? And, and they're not a one for one at all. I mean, right? But, but there's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of core ideas like the God Emperor, the time frame, the Gothic nature of it. Mm-hmm. There's a, yep. there's some themes there, but that's like saying, hey. You know, Star Wars is a ripoff of Buck Rogers, you jerks. It's like, well, yeah, Buck <laughs> Rogers is one thing. It was. Star Wars yeah. was a ripoff of Buck Rogers and to Flash Gordon, but nobody's all offended. Right. You know, oh, Flash yeah. Gordon. <laughs> oh! Fender so, of the universe. Even, <laughs> not the movie. Right, right, right. But you, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm playing Rogue Trader. This is the first 40K universe game I've played in a long time, so I'm looking forward to it. It's it's gonna be good. Maybe next week we'll talk a little bit about your guys' characters that you uh, develop for it. Because uh, Dan, I love yours, where he wears way too much makeup. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's you the captain. It? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, I'm thinking yeah. like Jack Sparrow, which is what I had in my mind. You know? Jack Sparrow Everyone needs or, to uh, de- despise the captain just a little. Yeah. Well, what was the the sun sun dust or I don't know. There's some. Never mind. I'll think of it next time. But yeah, <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> we'll edit you. We'll edit you stammering out. No. Right. Right. No. 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 Everybody <laughs> needs to know who I am. <laughs> That's right. You know, I to back up one second on the 
concept of influence. Uh, that would that would be a good thing to talk about. Actually, a good show on like some of the influences of some big game. Oh yeah. Uh, stuff, but uh, gaming, movies, uh, you know, science fiction, fantasy stuff. Uh, we should make a note of that. Uh, one of uh, a movie I wanted to bring up, uh, kind of side tangent, uh, the movie Metropolis, which was an, a 2001 anime, uh, Japanese anime. Um, the anime, it, not the not the original silent film. Yep, yep, exactly. And that's the point I wanted to make. There is that it was an anime that was influenced and loosely based off of two things: off of a, a, a silent film. This was like the 1920s or something. That thing and terrifies then, me. I own it on DVD. I haven't got to the end. Oh, do you? Wow. Silent films scare me. I don't know why. I just have to wow. turn them off. They freak me out. So yeah. we, we won't talk about me. <laughs> no, that's we okay. That's we okay. won't unpack my psychosis. <laughs> <is here. laughs> and we're not um, editing this out. We need to know who you yes. are. We need yeah. to know who you yeah, are. Yeah, you all need to know what I'm afraid of. It's silent movies. <laughs> Anyways, um, right. So based off of the silent film, and I think also some of their manga and stuff, or manga. Uh, and what was interesting about this movie is when it came out, I really like this movie. You know, it's it's basically a giant metropolis city that has multiple layers. And, you know, as you would expect, the higher layers are the rich people in the government and the people who kind of own the government and run it. And as you get down, you get deeper and you kind of get into the trash and all that stuff. So have you ever seen like um, uh, Fifth Element, right? At the beginning yeah. of Fifth Element, how as you go deeper and deeper into the layers, you get to the older parts of the city and it's the poor people and all that stuff. Same concept, right? Um, it's a very kind of a noir feel movie. Um, and Wait, people, uh, what kind of film? Noir. A noir? N-O-I-R. Noir. Noir? Noir. noir. That's what I said, noir. <laughs> you said Dude, noir. It, all right, listen. Are we really going to talk about this right now? We love you, man. Is this what this is about? Is this what it this is, is about? a little I'm, bit. I'm muting my, myself. Noir. Whatever. Noir. All right, nerd. <laughs> Anyways. You're an English language nerd. The point is that uh, people, when this movie first came out, a lot of people ragged on They were like, oh, they're just copying Blade Runner. And uh, these, you know, Blade Runner, they're just copying Blade Runner. And it's just so frustrating sometimes to see, to to see people that can only look surface deep. Because right. when was, when did when did Blade Runner come out? Ooh, nineteen eighty. Yeah, and what was it based off? Right, it was based on a Philip K. Dick's uh, not a uh, short story. Actually. Oh, and tons, tons of nineteen twenties and thirties movies. Yeah, yes. you know, more right? tons of them. More, all yeah. of these things. Nineteen eighty two. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And all and and that was the movie based off of the Philip K. Dick novel, which was yeah. before that. But uh, all of these things are influencing each other and moving and moving together, right? And so I think it's really cool when you see games and you see very similar mechanics in these games, but each game just kind of tweaks the mechanics a little bit, yeah. or takes lore and just kind of does like a new skin or changes a little bit. I'm cool with that. I like that. I like seeing. Because uh, in my mind, it, unless you're doing something that's just blatantly copy paste to try to make money on it, it, in in my mind, it's progress in our industry. Yeah. And I, and I like that. And I, even if it's just baby steps, a little bit of progress is better than no progress. I mean, we were looking at a game the other night where I was like, "Oh, this is like Zombie Side meets Descent." Yeah. Uh huh. You know, and I mean, maybe I'll save this for the other show, but I mean, there was a game that clearly took a lot of influence off of two other very successful games and we're trying to make it its own and i think it is going to feel like its own game you know um in its own right so yeah i think you're absolutely right even baby steps makes a big difference so Mm -hmm. there's another idea here because we'll never get to the end of this podcast we're going long here but um uh cory doctorow he he's an author and he's also um one of the uh, leaders of the uh, Electronic Frontier F- Foundation. He has this whole uh, legal justification on how game mechanics are actually not copyrightable. Oh, I so, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, I think we've talked about this before. You oh, have we? On this? Uh, uh, or not you and this, I are not, not on the show. But so um, yeah. there's an idea where, you know, there's a reason why, you know, they're d20 you know wizards put out the you know the open gaming license system is because they would be so caught up in defending their copyright all day long 
and losing from time to time mm-hmm. if they didn't have an on-ramp for people to go publish their own stuff. Yeah. Um, hmm. So anyway, FYI, uh, if, if you really want to go toe-to-toe with one of these big game companies you with from from the one legal perspective from the EFF which is no small potatoes you may win <laughs> so yeah. don't 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 go steal at everybody's game systems but if you do get a decent <laughs> lawyer you might you, it may turn out okay <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right i'll shut up now um all right well Dude, that was awesome uh awesome discussion on uh, a lot of a lot of stuff and seeds for future shows but yeah. um mm-hmm. uh let's talk about some new stuff dan i think you put some uh, new stuff in there for us yeah we can blow through these pretty quick too to pick up some time here um make sure game... you pronounce them right because if you don't just yes gonna get on you. yes you know i'm Noir. gonna, or- I'm gonna Noir. order you a bagel uh, <laughs> Can I get a bagel with cream cheese? Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm rewatching Community on Netflix, which has saved me, <laughs> saved my psyche during the quarantine. I'm like, Community's on Netflix. First of all, Community had two D&D episodes. There's a game did. Nexus yes. there. So I, I'll stop talking about that. I guess that was my geek week. I haven't got to those episodes yet. There you all go. Right. Uh, the Game Manufacturers Association, GAMA, has launched a new addition to their friendly local game store locator. Uh, in addition to the store information and hours of operation, stores can list their current operating status, such as whether they're offering curbside pickup, local delivery, the availability of gift cards, and more to help support stores affected by shelter-in-place, lockdown, and quarantine orders. Uh, Gamma has also created a Google Doc with, de- with a detailed list of game companies that are offering assistance to local game stores. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, local game stores have pretty mm-hmm. thin uh, profit margins in and of themselves. Um, and uh, they still have to pay the rent in order to keep those stores. We all benefit from brick and mortar, uh, small small game yeah. stores. Even if you're not going to one every week or even if you don't have one nearby, um, we, the, the hobby benefits from them. So... Hopefully the uh, current uh, pandemic will not uh, lead to too many um, Chapter 11s for for local game stores. I'm worried about it, man. I'm worried about those stores. Jason and I have got a game store that uh, is near where we work, and they had to move to... Well, they moved to um, no gaming in the store at all, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could go in and shop because they have a huge collection of games and models and things that you can buy. Uh, but there's only like you know ten people allowed in the store at one time, and they did do curbside pickup as well. And um, I had to, I was running out of some paint, so I went in, grabbed a couple extra things that I probably didn't need in the in the moment, but I knew I would need in the future. You know, um, some extra basing materials and things like that. And you know, um, it was super easy. They were super friendly, and they seemed especially grateful that I was able to come in and, and grab some stuff. So are they their store still open? I thought they were doing curbside now. Well, you can you can go in. You can have up to ten people in there at one time. Oh, right, so right. Mm-hmm. you you can do curbside pickup, but um, there was only like one other dude in there when I showed up, so I just went in. Well, that's good to know because I have one paint, and when this all really started locking down, I have this really critical wash. Yeah. Called Agrax Earthshade. Yeah. And uh, all this stuff, all these stores started shutting down, and I went and I was doing some paint. I looked at my bottle; it was like almost out. I was like, "No, <laughs> it's like this critical watch." I'm like, "How am I gonna get that crack search sheet?" <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Stop some of us store. are worried about toilet paper, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can wash your butt yeah. with that. Wash. And he's like, "We only got three rolls left." I'm like, "I'm almost out of Adrax search sheet." <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about what's important. <laughs> These trying times. (laughs) All right. So next news item. Project Aeon released a large library of books from the Lone Wolf series available for free. That's right. Free. Uh, The release includes more than 40 game books along with a trove of related articles, artwork, and more. The downloads are covered by the Project Aeon license, which allows free downloads for personal use, but no redistribution of the files. The books themselves can be read directly on the website or downloaded in HTML, EPUB, Mobi, uh, PDB, and several other formats. So what's the, what's the rationale behind this? Uh, 
Why would you all of a sudden release everything for free? Uh, Nobody's I, th- I think it's exposure. I th- you know, I, yeah. if you've got it and it exists digitally and um, if they were trying to sell them and they weren't moving, um, you could probably increase your install base, basically. Um, but yeah. I think uh, I think the um, one of the main uh, owners of the Lone Wolf series is just kind of giving his stuff to the universe and saying, just take it and enjoy it. Um, in some ways, a lot of these uh, traditional books that have been published in hardcover, they kind of made their money on the print run of the book yeah. and they're off to other things. And, and a lot of it's just the love of the art and of the hobby, too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking because there's a lot of them um, that are sort of like um, going out of print. You know what I mean? Like because there's there's not a lot coming out for them, and the authors don't really have any plans to do any further expansions or whatever with it. They're just kind of like our series is what it is. You can have as much fun with it, and since you know we're pretty much selling out, here's the free digital PDFs, and mm-hmm. you know like we weren't expecting to get anything more out of this. So have fun, everybody. I mean, these are great opportunities. If you want to reskin a system or if you want to, you know, if you've got some stuff that you just want to do for yourself and run with your local group and not worry about, oh, did you break the game? Oh, you created a monster that's not compatible with the next supplement or something like that. You know, it's like, who cares? It's just a really great springboard for homebrew. Yeah. Um, if nothing else. So, um, hey, and giving stuff away for free is awesome. As a guy who just downloaded D&D Beyond and actually thought about buying multiple digital copies of books that I own on the shelf, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give these guys credit for putting something out for free on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, Humble has another bundle befitting the COVID-19 fund for direct relief. This one... Uh, is perfect for role players stuck at home looking for a project. The 3D printable terrain layer bundle doesn't actually require a 3D printer to enjoy. While the bundle includes project files for 3D printers, it also contains files for normal, plain old inkjet and laser printers to use cardstock and create amazing full-color terrain. Either way you go, you'll end up with dungeon walls and floors, buildings, merchant stands, trees, statues, and more. This bundle runs until Wednesday, April twenty second. We may print. We may publish this podcast by then. Um, so, <laughs> it, it, so if that's interesting to you, uh, jump on the humble bundle. Very cool. That's good stuff. What's going on on Discord? Who who's, knows? Who's posting? Somebody's got Discord on loud. Bidding, bidding, bidding. Sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop completely. <laughs> My bad. I tried to turn off notifications, I think. Um, okay. I think so, that's my fault because I was chatting with somebody who asked Yeah, good job, Jason. <laughs> we need to get out of the same channels. That's the problem. <laughs> We're going to have to um, trim this in post. Yeah, exactly. I need to turn it off. Um, let's see. So uh, the one news item that I have is my Facebook has been bombarded by Frosthaven Kickstarter. Um, now, Frosthaven is the sequel to... The multiple acclaimed um, Gloomhaven, you know, D&D RPG adventure in a box. And so Frosthaven is its successor. It takes place in the north of the lands of where Gloomhaven took place. And I'm literally looking at the Kickstarter and watching the dollars rack up right now. I mean, it is nonstop. Just keep going. So um, they're in day 8 of 31 of the Kickstarter. So they have 23 days to go. Their goal was $500,000. They have already raked in $6,765,941 at this point. So That's straight, stone-cold, legit gangsta Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah. So that is pretty awesome. Um, they are crushing it. And, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I have not played Gloomhaven. Have either of you guys played Gloomhaven yet? Yes. What did you uh, think of it? Well, um, it's a, a no-dice mechanic uh kind of like descent game where you know you're working the map and you're you know you you've got a a character with different skills and different equipment and stuff like that um 
it has lots of different characters and lots of different boxes and our buddy Sean who is running the game you know didn't get through the part where it says certain characters don't you don't open up certain characters until you've played through such and such campaign and so a lot of us were playing characters that weren't supposed to be in mm-hmm. these different mm-hmm. scenarios oh and they were not necessarily a good fit so um, I uh, want to say I, I I I am not an internet hater. I know a lot of people love Gloomhaven. Um, I think if I never had a single RPG in my life, Gloomhaven would be like crack for me. Um, but they go to a lot of work to avoid using dice with their card mechanics, and I've seen other games pick up on that. And I don't think it's that useful of a mechanic to keep flipping cards all the time and deck building for your randomization. It's it seems like they're they just try too hard to not have dice in the box. But if you yeah. look inside the box, there's a gazillion things in the box. So <laughs> that's my only knock on it. I know it's fun. The, the, uh, like you get great minis, and it's a really deep game. And that's like you could play with a bunch of people who are never going to play D anD D in their life, and they yeah. would have a really amazing time. And you could get together every Wednesday, just like a D anD D group, and play that thing. Well, the um, draw the draw from Gloomhaven and, and now Frosthaven is that you don't have to have a DM, right? Like it's yeah. situationally based. Yeah, you guys can play together. Yeah, and, and just kind of go along. Um, the uh, you, you're the second person that I've heard though that says you've got to read the rules. You have to read the rules and understand them, and play it as intended. Um, in fact, the person I heard this from was on Facebook. It was uh, Rob Schwab, Robert Schwab, who oh, created yeah. um, Shadow of the Demon Lord and a couple of D and D supplements and things like and that. He worked on Five E. Yeah, he did. He worked on Five E. So um, the that he played it and said he hated it. He thought it was really dumb because I guess his character died and there was nothing for him to do for like two hours or something like that. That can happen. But then, but then what? Apparently, what happened is they misread a rule and he shouldn't have died like that or something like that. And he says, "Okay, we're gonna, gonna give it, we're gonna give it another chance." And next day he says, "I like the game. It's a lot more fun than you know my experience the day before." But the lesson I took from that is like. Whoever has the game has got to pour through the rules. Yes. Like, so maybe there isn't a DM to this, you know, per se, but there's got to be a DM to this, essentially, in the yeah. guy that he, you got to have somebody who knows the rules. You should not, this is not a casual game to pop open on the table and go, hey, let's learn this and just figure it out as we go, unless yeah. you want to do it all Saturday. Yeah, right. Um, the three of us did that with Zombie Side at a catacomb, and we had a great time. Yes, and there's plenty of games I don't think you that. and I don't think you can do that with Gloomhaven yeah, or Frosthaven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but, but so, I, I, the minis are gorgeous. the The setting is interesting. The, the differences in characters is very unique as well. I think they did a. I'm talking about Gloomhaven, not Frosthaven. But they, it didn't. They do have your classic tropes, with, you know, with your different fighters, trolls, etc. But there's lots of different flavors, and it's it's a it's it's deep and unique and well thought out, um, and 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 it, it's really good. And, and and I think people like it for a reason. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 a quality experience. But but man, I they need to like spend more time and make better videos on their website. Or, or YouTube to explain how to play the game. Maybe they already have, and if they have, somebody can call me out and say, Dan, you're full of crap. Um, so. <laughs> well, speaking of you know picking up games and learning them, uh, let's get to kind of the main part of our show today, which is talking about Tabletop Simulator. Uh, Jason, why don't you kind of walk us through Tabletop Simulator a little bit in the beginning? Sure. It's a, uh, it's a game of itself. But the whole point of it is to host a virtual table that you can bring other games to. So if you think we like to sit around a table and actually go over to somebody's house and sit down and somebody brings a box over and we open it, throw a bunch of components on the table and have a good time. Well, why can't we do that virtually? So let's create a virtual table and we all sit at our home computers, connect in to a server 
and we can all see that table in the middle of this virtual room and load up some components, throw them on the table and use our little mouses as hands and kind of move components around and do whatever we want, right? So Tabletop Simulator produces that. It's simulating the tabletop. And what's cool about it is it's on Steam. And one of the cool things about Steam is the workshop capability. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about the two things. but So there's a huge community of community of, of user-generated content. So people making their own games, people converting games that are out of print, people you know making their own spin on existing games. But then there are also about, it's about 40, right? There's about 40 yeah. DLC paid versions. So you can buy, this is a game that's sponsored by the company that made it. They have their own official components. And when there was another system, uh, there've been several, there've been several approaches to this over uh, over the years. Valance, I think, is another one. I keep getting the name wrong, but um, the difference here is that this has uses the Unity physics engine. So there's actual physics at the table. So if right. I grab, if I pick up a chip, and or a piece of dice, and I throw it, it will actually be as if I threw it at the table. It rolls. Yeah, hits you can the roll your dice. Yeah, you can flick pieces when you get angry off of the table. You know all that stuff. You can flip the table, the entire table. Only which the is host fun to do. can do that. Only the host. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the button's uh, there. Don't randomly click yeah. the flip button. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think no, no. There's I no think going back. Do, I think they do have a "Are you sure?" Uh, window if you want to do that. I Maybe. Think I saw that come up. I don't but, know. Uh, I clicked uh, it and it went. <laughs> and it went. That was the uh, best part say, of the game. <laughs> so one of the other really cool things about this is that they have the ability to script. So um, there are a couple games we've paid up, played over the years, right, that just have a massive or enormous setup times to play these games. Yeah. And depending on which mission you do in the book, you got to set it up differently. And there's like five or six different decks you have to shuffle and mix things in. And next thing you know, it you either you know it's taken 30 minutes just to set up this game you're going to play. Well, what's cool about Tabletop Simulator is because they enable scripting, people can build in the setup directly into the game. So it's when you say, awesome. yeah, you, when you say, hey, let's sit down and let's play this game, you can click a button that says load up the starting scenario and boom, all of a sudden, all of the card and decks are set up. All of the board pieces are in the right place. The, the tiles have been set up and, and all of the markers and everything. And you can just start playing instantly. It's awesome. So, so to get into that a little bit, um, first off, we saw that there was a sale on Tabletop Simulator over the weekend, and it was ten bucks. Normally, it's like twenty. Yeah, uh, it was Steam. ten bucks on Steam. Yeah, on Steam, um, it was normally like twenty bucks. It was ten dollars. But even better, if you got a four pack, it was thirty dollars. So it ended up being seven dollars and fifty cents a person. Mm -hmm. Right, and so we paid seven fifty because there's four of us that wanted to get into this for access to this simulator. And we're like, oh, okay, well that's you know seven dollars. It's like a movie ticket, whatever. We'll get in. I mean, cheaper than a movie ticket. But um, uh, we got in, and then I also decided to get the Zombie Side DLC. So this is the official component from Cool Minis or not, um, officially sponsored, which I think generally means that they're a little bit more tested and probably the scripts are a little bit better in general um but maybe not you know well, compared to some of the it. yeah they got a little bit of money and, and a little bit of effort behind it but anyway the thing that i wanted to talk about was you get into this room and and the, there's the boxes set up there's the miniatures are set up and all this stuff and you go to the center mat and you say okay let's play mission number one and you just click it and yeah we're doing mission number one boom tiles are set up and then I went over to this little box thing, and I said, okay, we're also doing mission number one over there. Boom. All of the objectives were set up on the board, and we knew exactly what we needed to do, where we needed to go, what we needed to get immediately. I mean, it was... It that took was us $10 right there. Listen, Have setup a, was 30 a seconds. one-click setup? Yeah, that's that yeah. scripting uh, we were talking about exactly. a minute ago. The game has multiple uh, uh, things they can do to script, and and I tell you, and this honestly, that's cool. That's really cool. Very important feature. Another feature that I have found I love is that you can copy paste components. Oh yes. I mean, so when you, for example, when you play Zombie Side, there's a rule book on the table, and we kept, you know, I kept kind of using the mouse to move my camera over, and we were looking at the rule book and turning pages together, which may sound tedious at first. It actually isn't that tedious as it sounds. Then I was like, wait a minute, why? 
Why don't I just make a copy of the rule book? So I just clicked it, Control C, Control V. I got my own rule book, and I just yeah. drug it over to my side of the table. And we're able to look at it independently and yeah. check it out. And dice? It's like, well, you need four of these dice. Control C, Control V, 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 V. You know, and then I got four all my dice, dice, and you're yep. good to go. Boom. And um, yeah, that's that's a pretty awesome thing. And um, a lot of the hotkeys are pretty awesome. So like, mm. if you push M. You know, like you could be looking down at a card game, top view down, and you're like, I want to see what that card says, but I hate having to scroll all the way in just to read it and to scroll all the way back. Well, if you hit M, it's like a magnifying glass circle that pops up that you yeah. can then read that thing. Or even better, you just hover over that card and push Alt, and it's like it brings it up to your face yeah. that you can read it, and you let go of Alt, and it's back to where it was. Yeah, you it know. makes it really easy to navigate the entire table while you're playing these games. I think the user interface for what it's doing is actually pretty awesome because it's very basic controls, but it's very functionally sound. Yeah, we played, um, and now we had played Zombie Side before, about a maybe two years. Yeah. About two years before. So we, we kind of remembered what to do. But we sat down and we were playing, we were actively playing the game at a normal fast-paced, you know, turn, I would say within 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. 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 And Jay and I pulled up um, uh, Outer Rim, which I have on my shelf. I'm looking at it right now. And there it was. We're like, oh, my gosh, here's the game. And not that that was official content, but that's in the uh, the develop. What do they call that? The, the workshop user. The workshop. Generated. Let me yeah. just tell you, there's some nerds that are going to nerd heaven for things that have been done in that workshop. There's yeah. yeah. some mm -hmm. cool stuff. And uh, I was I got a little weepy. All my stuff was there. I was like, "Oh man, I, I if I just I could just glue myself to this computer and constantly play, you know, these games." But and that's a game that if you can have it set up in one or two clicks is yeah. worth <laughs> is worth mm -hmm. it, yeah. right? Sure there's, there's so many components. I'm sure there's dozens of games like that in in the in, what do they call it? The workshop. Workshop. Yeah. The workshop. The workshop is gonna. I, I was just shocked. I did a couple of search terms for things that I know I'm interested in, and there were games that I have on the shelf that I have not played, you know, in 20 years. Going, oh well, I can play digitally right now, <laughs> and yeah. stuff that I don't have anymore. And right and they're there. all free for the most part. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. some of them ask for like some donation because they really put a lot of time and effort into it. Maybe yeah, you want to yeah. throw them over a couple of bucks. But mm -hmm. listen, I mean, uh, Rising Sun. Um, uh, the Game of Thrones board game that we found, Dark Souls board game that we found, Massive Darkness was another one that we were looking Scythe. at. Scythe. Scythe has an official digital yeah. version. I mean, I like Scythe. I don't think I want to go buy it, but uh, I could play it digitally with people who are interested. Yeah. That's a great game. Scythe. Well, and the, and, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the DLCs, I mean... Which means Sikitha. What's that? Which means Sikitha. 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 <laughs> Noir, Jason. Noir. <laughs> noir. It's noir. <laughs> um, but look, the the DLC ranges from seven ninety nine to nine ninety nine. I mean, you could like I picked up Zombie Side for ten dollars after I spent the seven fifty. So, in essence, I got Zombie Side that I could play with any of my friends who have tabletop simulator. And that's the other thing: if one person has the game, anybody can join them. Right, you just have to have one person <laughs> yep. who owns it. You just have to right. buy into Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, whereas yeah. like you play on the Xbox, Jason, if you and I want to play Elite Dangerous, we both have to have a copy of the we game. We both have to own it, yeah. You know, so I, I have another gaming group of guys that that I don't hang out with with you guys. I have two other gaming groups actually because I don't like I don't like to mix groups. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I, I yeah. like having some alter you know, egos, huh? I need some something. something Is your name on the Dan side. in those groups? Uh, yeah. <laughs> From it's either El that, okay. it's either that okay. or El Elegante. Uh, sometimes Buttercup. Um, <laughs> the uh, and my buddy was like, "Hey, we need to get together and play." You know, we, how do we get together and play X Wing? Because we haven't got together forever to play it. And two of us in the group had just bought into the Steam tabletop uh, simulator. And then the third guy's like, "How? Why did you leave me out of this?" He went on to Steam. And the sale was still going on on Monday, so he was able to get his for ten bucks too. So it, it's go. like this thing is is 
It's gonna be big, I tell you. It's gonna be big. Yeah, yeah we like saw thirty thousand. There's thirty thousand yeah. games of generated. Oh my gosh, right it's so crazy. Yeah, and and there's more coming. I've noticed that if you look at a lot of the games, like so, a bunch of the Age of Sigmar. So they've got war t- uh, war gaming. Obviously, Dan talked about X Wing. I'm sure there's Armada on there somewhere, Dan. It is. It's on there. And and uh, we saw Age of Sigmar. There's a bunch of 40k supported stuff. There's um, Warcry, there's Kill Team, there's there's a bunch of those tabletop skirmish games. And um, one of the things that uh, I noticed is that a lot of the content, people were saying, hey, I'm stuck indoors with COVID-19 right now, you know, uh, because we're all on quarantine. I figured I'd make this so that we could all have a good time. Who wants to play? You know, so I think that that 30,000 30, games probably exploded over the last, like, few weeks. Oh, I know, and and that's the other thing, is that we pulled out the random box. Uh, did they call them Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, or was it just yeah. generic D&D RPG minis? Yeah, yeah. We found D and D and D minis with full sets of dice. You could you could use this as your digital uh, three dimensional gaming space. Um, and they were animated minis too. You could pick oh, that's up the cool. beholder, and he'd be squiggling, and the dragon was all running in place. It was pretty sweet. Um, so they had a whole war uh, rogue trader like scenario to jump into. No. Yeah, they did. It was actually no. kind of cool, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty sweet. So there are some downsides. Let's talk about the downsides because it's awesome and we recommend it. But uh, I think when Jay and I were messing around with it, it had a pretty decent audio capability. We got to hold down the letter C, I believe. Um, yeah, it's to a push-to-talk system. Push, it's push-to-talk. And if something goes wrong, your conversation kind of ends. So, you know, you may want to consider Discord or some other voice exchange app mm-hmm. to yeah. to have running in the background instead of using the internal push-to-talk. Now, that's if you already know folks and stuff like that, if you know the people who you're gaming with. Um, what other downsides were there? Oh, I think for some games that are very complex and have a million pieces... It really helps to have somebody who knows how to play that game kind of walk everybody through it. Especially some of the hotkeys for that game. It would be very, exactly, it would be very, it's a very hard place to learn a game. So I don't think it's going to hurt, you know, three-dimensional sales of actual real hard products. Because what I wanted to do, because we had Outer Rim out digitally, I wanted to run downstairs and grab my stuff and bring it up and look look through the cards mm-hmm. and, and look through mm-hmm. the rules in real space so um i would say um there are some games maybe zombie side was was a good one a good throwdown when people don't know how to play but make sure if you're playing something complex that you've got you've got somebody there who pull up youtube and watch a tutorial on youtube yeah well and and i was going to say that um they have a general tutorial that you can go through when you first load it up i highly recommend it I do oh, because yeah. because they give you just kind of some very basic maneuvers and things to do, and we just went into a room and just started like I think we were messing around with in the uh, like a poker room right Jason yeah. like we were like flicking stuff around we're throwing stuff we're like using different hotkeys to check things out and I mean you know there's always a help and configure there's a help menu that you can get to pretty easily that'll tell you like certain hotkeys. But um, it just takes a little bit of experience. I do think that there's a little bit of a learning curve. Like, one of the hardest things for me um, is, like, when I draw a card to, like, just draw one card and not bring over the whole deck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you're like, dang it. You just ruined the it. whole game. Yeah, Let's yeah. put it away. And, put the table. And if you can figure out, like, um, the hot keys, it saves a lot of, like, choosing something, right-clicking it, choosing the menu, choosing something else within a sub-menu, and then having it do the action that you want it to do. You know, if you can, like, hover over the dice and hit roll, or hit R for it to roll, if you know that, then it makes it a lot easier than if you were just to, like, you yeah. know, do yeah. a lot of clicking. And, and yeah. you find yourself stumbling around at first. Yeah, and the physics the physics are real physics, right? So in the, in the, in the tutorial, it tells you to roll dice, just grab the dice and shake your mouse. It's like, oh, that's really cool, until you realize that when you do that, for the dice roll off the table or the other yeah. three 
they land do on top of on. each other. Oh, yeah. Land dice on, can yeah. land on top of each yeah. other. Yeah, and you're like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. So I find that it's easier just to place the dice in front of me, select them all, and hit the R key, and they For roll random. in place. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's easy to manage. Yeah. There, there is one other really great thing about this that we haven't talked about, which is your ability to save a game. Oh, Save yes. a game state. So awesome. And, and putting away a game, I mean, we underestimate, like... If we have a huge game night with a very complex game, it's usually me kicking everybody out of my house going, no, that's okay. I don't mind organizing chits for 90 minutes after we play. We we <laughs> right. try to help, but I think I think you got a little OC. Like, don't touch my chits. They don't go in that box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, because you have to put it all back out together in the future. Right. You know what it's yeah, like? You do. It's like, I know everybody wants to help, but it's like, uh, just throw it all in a box. And, and, and when my wife watches right. Project Runway, I'll, I'll organize it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So we we played, um, and I will say that in it, uh, learning this learning a new game obviously depends on the complexity of that game. But last last night, uh, Justin and another one of our friends, another friend named Dan, we we jumped in and loaded up a new game that none of us had ever played before, uh, called Call to Adventure. Which, yeah. uh, by the way, I highly recommend it. It's a, it was a really fun game, and you get it on Amazon. You get the real physical box version for about uh, thirty two dollars on Amazon. Um, neat game. And whoever made this version um, actually had they they I don't know if they just scanned the rule book or whatever, but the rule book was in there too. So we just flipped through the we flipped through the like ten to twelve pages of the rule book real quick, figured out how to play, and played an entire card game, card kind of dice game. Uh, it took us about it was probably about two hours. Yeah, our first time playing, and it. we were learning it. Um, yeah. I think it was if we fun. played it again, we could do it in an hour easily. Yeah. You know, and but it was, it was fun. totally fun. It was totally fun. And once we learned the mechanics of how to like manipulate the cards and, yeah. you know, be able to put them in your draw pile so nobody else could see them, yeah. you know, because you'd snap to your screen, which is kind of awesome. You got a hand. Um, that yeah. You can see. And uh, once we kind of figured out some of those mechanics, man, we were cooking with gas. Like we were moving really oh, quickly. Yeah. Very cool. So I recommend this. Uh, is I don't know if it's still on sale. If it's still twenty dollars, it's Even so worth it. Dollars, man. Oh my know. gosh! Like, and it's 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 worth twenty dollars because worth of the workshop that's out there with all of the different game mods that you can get for free. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And and I think this is get well. The getting's good. I feel like I just found Napster early in the net <laughs> when it was right. on the upswing. It's like yeah. as soon as the lawyers find out about this workshop, it's gonna get shut down. <laughs> so let's play the crap out of it now and don't. Don't tell it. Don't don't tell any DCMA people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so Tabletop Simulator has been around for a while. Do you know how long the the actual workshop has been open? Has it been open since the beginning? I don't know. I don't either. Um, the the yeah, interesting awesome. thing though is like if I were, if I were Games quick. Workshop, I would be highly encouraging this right now. Because oh, yeah. all their stores are closed, right? So yeah. you're getting more people and potentially, like, we have a friend in our group that's planning to play some Age of Sigmar with me at the Nova Open. He's never played Age of Sigmar. I'm planning to teach him in Tabletop Simulator. I there think you go. genius. Yeah. 2015 you know? is when Tabletop Simulator was first released. I remember when it uh, when it first came out, and it was pretty rudimentary when it first yeah. came out it is in a good place some, right some now though basic basic games like checkers and mm-hmm. <laughs> i could like i could see that being a really awesome sales opportunity especially with those games that like, like games with expansions any game yeah. that's got an expansion if you got to buy more models first of all i'm more likely to want to play age of sigmar on that because i know that i could put together an army that fits my play style yeah i could play it and not have to paint it and have a pretty <laughs> decent time and have a zero dollar outlay and yeah. and that is great for age of sigmar and it's great for me and if i get hooked well everybody knows what happens when i get hooked on something let's go find the credit card and get get it for real yeah well and i was thinking just even as a pretty good age of sigmar player that's pretty invested um i can try an army that i've never tried before and see if i like it and then all of a sudden i'm like i like that army i may end up getting it you know what i mean like let's say you don't like the models or you don't want to paint those models you're like well i don't want to invest in that and now you're like oh i do want to invest in that yeah yeah try some different combos before having to buy the models and you know the idea is is that 
I'm going to buy some models, but I want to try the combos that fit me, right? Mm-hmm. And those are yeah. the models that I'll end up buying. So yeah, I think nobody that's great. wants to buy a whole bunch of models and have it be a dud. Like yeah. I have a shelf full of X-wing planes that'll never see the my ta- that'll never be in my squad. I could always make squads for other people to play and say, well, you could play that one if you want, but I don't want to play it. <laughs> and I'm looking at, you know, at fifteen twenty dollars a model, and that adds up real fast. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing is if there's a new faction that comes out, and or let's say you wanted to get into a game that has too many factions. Like, this is my yep. problem with X-Wing right now. They went from two factions to seven. And I don't know if I want to drop $100 to, to play the Confederacy. But now at least I could try it out. Yeah. You know, and, and see if it's going to be worth it. And maybe I start if I can start winning in, in a simulator like this that's, that's fun and three-dimensional. I know they also have another. There's another tabletop simulator out there. I can't remember the name of it. It's totally free. What's the name of it? Uh, uh, the, is it the Valis one or? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. I, I can't remember. It. I always forget how to say it, and I have to Google it for like 15 minutes. To oh, find it. oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, man, I feel. Anyways, like there's I'm, a couple I'm, other I'm, options. I'm losing my gamer cred for having that <laughs> flow out of my Dude, brain, but there's so much to remember in today's world, though. I, yeah. I've got a, I'm dropping stuff to make room for new stuff. <laughs> yeah, just just forget everything, Jay. Yeah, everything. Okay. Well, I don't know how to say things anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Noir. I'm looking at this Noir. Nor, this Nor game, this Nor game yeah. called. I'm on Amazon looking at Call to Adventure, going, wow, the artwork's really great. Yeah, oh, that actually was game. pretty sweet. Those cards were awesome. That is a beautiful gorgeous. game. Gorgeous. And it, you know what was cool about that game was that like you're building a story while playing the game. And so part of the game is winning through victory points and things like that. But my favorite part was at the end, we like had this story that we built about like how I became this great paragon of light or something like that. And I started out as a sailor and mm-hmm. I did these yeah. things and that's that was my my own personal journey based on the choices I had made during the game. So I thought that was pretty sweet. It was a cool game. Very cool. Vassal. Vassal is that Vassal. other simulator. Vassal. You Thank you. Yeah, yeah, but that one's open source, and it's a little on the kludgy side, for my opinion. Yeah. That's my opinion. It is a I little kludgy. Da- it's been around for it a long time, though. It's, the people who love it swear by it. You have to go up the learning curve. And, and, and he, let me tell you, Tabletop Simulator had a learning curve, way easier to deal with. And yeah. uh, yes, I had to drop $10, but I was having fun goofing around in it versus downloading something that was open source and getting frustrated and shelving it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, $10 if it's still on sale. I hope it is. Maybe it's not, especially by the time this podcast comes out. But even if it's not $20, it's well worth it. It's well worth your time. Maybe you can even find us on there. We'd love to have you game with us. Go check it out. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll find some time. So thank you so much for listening to our episode tonight and, uh, happy gaming everybody. Yeah. See ya.